0: Have you felt this weight on your shoulder, a clenched jaw, perhaps shaky fingers and you're like, how do I get through this? Perhaps you're a bit bit foggy headed or even enraged. These are certain signs that many people experience when they're undergoing a lot of stress. Stress is not a bad thing. But when you are under persistent stress, it becomes a cause for concern. I am Dr. Duny, the Mom Empowerment Coach. I'm a family doctor, international speaker best-selling author of the book, Every Mom is a Super Mom, and the host on the Wellbeing for Mothers show. And what we do on this show is to talk about the realities of motherhood, the good, the bad and the ugly, all the things we experience in our day-to-day lives, and practical ways that we can improve our well-being on a consistent basis. Stress is something we all experience as humans, but more as mothers, because not only are we taking care of ourselves, but we're taking care of our children, our spouses, our extended family members, and perhaps other people in our community. And it is a bit of a challenge when you put all that together 24-7, 365, it can be a bit of a strain. So how can we navigate through this and come out on the other end, not feeling burnt out? So today I'm going to talk about a particular tool that saved my life. This tool or practice I'd like to describe it as is something that has made me not that very stressed out mother, but to be someone who feels calm. Now, of course, I still experience stress. I am normal, okay? I haven't got any particular um, special blood flowing through my veins or any special things that I have that you don't have. I just feel that when we know certain things, it can make things easier. We all feel stress. There are some days you just feel like, hey, kids, it's time to eat out of the cereal box. Sometimes it's a takeout day. Sometimes you're just like laid there. It happens. And we need to understand that this is a normal thing. It's okay when you feel that every now and again, when it's persistent, then you need to be concerned because we are not meant to be drained. We're not meant to be tired by 12 noon. There are many factors that contribute to that, but of course we have covered that a few times in previous episodes. So if you've not already subscribe to this channel and Of course, download this episode and have a listen. So, without further ado, I'd like to share something with you. There was a particular day when I was undergoing a lot of stress. Now, this stress came from so many sources. First of all, I'd woken up late. You know how you hear your alarm ring, but you kind of think it's a dream and your hand just goes and switches it off or hits the snooze button without actually seeing it. This time around, unfortunately, I did not hit the snooze button. I actually switched it off. And so it did not ring again. This time around, it was me waking up a good 30 minutes after it was meant to have woken me up from sleep. So when I woke up, looked at my clock, I screamed. You know, when you scream as you wake up, it is very traumatic. (laughs) I mean, seriously, how many times do you feel that urge to wake up and you want something nice and calm, maybe a little bit of nice music, maybe someone calling your name softly and saying it's time to wake up. That's a beautiful way to wake up. But when you look at the time and you know you're so late for work. Late children are going to be late for school, and you scream. I don't know if that has ever happened to you. If it has ever happened to you, you all know what I'm talking about. So that was the height of stress for me. I thought that was bad enough. And then I started to run around. Children, wake up. It's time to get ready. And I was running around like a headless chicken. At the end of it, I then moved out of the house, but forgot certain things I needed to take. Now, when you live in the house, especially as a working mother, most of the time you leave the house, drop your children off, and maybe then go to work. I was planning to do exactly that. And it was a day I was meant to be getting to work early. It was a day I was meant to be getting to work beforehand to prepare for a ward round, which we, a consultant ward round, which we were going to have because we had more patients coming overnight. So here I was from that point of view, I had to rush my children through and go drop them off. And then I had to get myself together and face the day. So I knew of course, at that point, being A member of the team, I had failed them because I'd come later. So if there were tasks that I needed to do, I wasn't there to take on the task and get them done before the time for the consultant ward round. I felt gutted. I felt a lot of pain, fear, guilt, worry. I mean, it was frustrating. Now, I'm not going to give myself any excuses because, of course, things happen, different challenges that we all experience. But one thing that helped me after having this happen to me and several times, and this is something that happened to me a lot. <laughs> it was really a very terrible time. Um, it happened to me quite a lot, especially when um, I had just lost my father. I had just left an acrimonious relationship. I was navigating through my day, and I, I just could not get that focus. And so when I was going through that, it was a usual thing to wake up really late because one, I didn't sleep well. Two, when I eventually slept, maybe it was the very early hours of the morning and maybe I got poor quality two hours sleep. Hit the snooze button or switched off the alarm and found myself in panic situations like that. So that stress level that I was experiencing at that time really shot through my body. And it was because I was dwelling on two things that were not relevant. One, I was dwelling on the past. Oh, how could I have put off that alarm? How could I have not gotten up at the time I thought I was going to get up? How could I not have done one or two things? You know, all these things were things I should have done. So I started to go coulda, woulda, shoulda when I should have stayed in that moment. So that pain I was going through and the guilt that came with it based on what I could have done or I should have done now started to impact how I felt at the time. The second thing that I was focused on at that time was, oh my goodness, what would my colleagues think about me? What would this action of mine Have on my team? What would this impact have on my ability to progress? You know, it was just worrying about what would or could or might not even happen. So, focusing on the past and focusing on the future, those were the major causes of stress for me. So, after a few times when all these were happening, I found myself dwelling on that past and beating myself up and then dwelling on the future and getting myself worked up. So I noticed that there was something that I had read in my quest for ways to deal with the way I was feeling and what I was going through, through the process of grief. And that was the practice of mindfulness. Now, you might say, oh, yes, I've heard mindfulness before. I mean, it's one of those things that we all do, right? Well, mindfulness is such a powerful practice. And the reason why I share this practice is because it really transformed my life. It made things different. Now, there's a lovely description of mindfulness that I would like to share with you. I came across it through my studies and that's, pra- that description is mindfulness is the, m- when the mind is full in the present moment. So mindfulness is when the mind is full of the present moment. So When you are in that present moment, you're thinking about now. You're thinking about what you're doing now. You're not thinking about, oh, what happened or what is going to happen. You're focused on now. And this is something that we need to pay attention to. Because when we focus on now, we minimize the stress trigger points. And as we minimize the stress trigger points, we also minimize the Emotional reaction to those stress trigger points, which are usually in the lower vibration emotions. You know how we've talked about in the previous episode about how your emotions stem from what you're thinking, what you're listening to, what you're hearing, and all those inputs that come in to our senses. These thoughts Words and experiences trigger our emotions to exhibit themselves as either guilt or fear or worry or sadness or grief or apathy, hopelessness, depression. All these start to manifest through when we are focused on the past or sometimes even the future. Anxiety is one of them, especially for the future one, because that's fear of the unknown, or a worry that something's going to fall apart. Mindfulness helped me a great deal. Now, of course, there are different parts when it comes to mindfulness. It's not all about um, sitting on the floor, cross leg, put your hands together and say, um. No, mindfulness is a lot more robust than that particular action that many people kind of associate with mindfulness. And the first mindfulness practice that I tend to suggest to people is just tapping into what you do. These principles for mindfulness is not you taking a whole new thing that you don't normally do and putting it into your life. You know, that is a recipe for failure. Why? Because you're a busy mother. You have a lot on your plate. You don't have the extra time to do one or extra thing somewhere. Something that is not related to what you already do. So what do we do? We can now take a daily activity and be mindful about it. So that principle is what I'm going to apply to this particular example. Breathing. We all breathe. And sometimes we're not even aware of how we breathe, when we breathe, or even the extent to which we rely on breathing. Now that's a good thing because you really don't want to be, you really don't want to be having to voluntarily get yourself to breathe. There was this lovely story I read um, about, I call the Undyne's Curse. And that was a situation whereby some uh, creature had been cursed to be, um, Voluntarily responsible for breathing. Now, of course, because of that, that um, Undyne could not take a break. He had to be awake to breathe. And so, out of sheer exhaustion, he just fell asleep and died. Now, we are so fortunate to have our breathing as an autonomic function, an automatic thing that we can carry on even when we're sleeping. And that's probably one of the reasons why we don't pay attention to it. It's automatic for us to do, right? But research has shown the value of being mindful of the way you breathe. We're not taught how to breathe. That's another thing. When you breathe, you have the ability to take in air which is usually a mixture of gases. Now, this is not taking you through chemistry lessons, but just a mixture of gases and having that filter through your system to create pure oxygen that is then distributed to all your cells while collecting all the carbon dioxide and breathing it out through your nose. Sounds so simple, right? And it, it can be. However, we need to recognize that when we breathe, we need to breathe deeply and fully. And when we are mindful of our breathing, it starts from the intention. Okay. Some people start with, and I always suggest that when you're doing mindful breathing, start from a place of gratitude. You know, it would be really devastating if you had to be voluntarily trying to breathe, to be able to breathe. So starting from a place of gratitude where breathing is an autonomic function and happens automatically, whether you're aware of it or not, that is a beautiful thing. The other thing is feeling. Sometimes you can feel the air going through your nostrils and you can feel what it was. It Did you take a huge deep breath? Like... <clears throat> Or was it a very gentle, soft breathing in that you did? Did you uh, feel the cool air go in through your nostrils? Did you feel it as it went through your nasal passages? Did you feel your chest or see your chest rise as you were breathing in or fall as you were breathing out? Did you feel the warm air coming out as you were breathing out? These are certain things that you can notice, you can see, you can feel, and you can experience. This is not for you to correct it. And that's one good thing about mindfulness practices. One, you have to ensure, of course, that you're aware of it. Okay. But also that you're not judging yourself. Oh, I'm not breathing right. Or I need to breathe a bit more, oh, I need to step this up. No, mindfulness is about observing from a non-judgmental standpoint, but being aware that it is happening, okay? So when you're doing that breathing, you're just being aware. It doesn't have to be a full 10 minutes or how many minutes. If you've got that time, awesome. If not, a couple of minutes would just be fine. Something you can do when you're sat down, when you are um, probably getting in between chores, you can just take a moment. Some people sometimes, and I remember when I was um, needing this practice and I was trying to get it into my daily routine most of the time. And I, I did it when the children were around. I did it behind closed doors. And the only door that had a lock was the bathroom door. So I'll go into the bathroom and just have a few moments just to practice that mindfulness, okay? Good thing is when you breathe in and you're mindful of it, you're giving yourself a good whiff of oxygen, a good amount, a lump sum, because you're expanding your lungs properly. You're not having that um, anxiety breathing that is fast and shallow. It's deep and slow. Okay. So, very important. The second type of mindfulness practice that I also do, and this is something I covered in my best selling book, Every Mom is a Super Mom, is mindful listening. I love this one so much. Why? Because sometimes we do not listen as much as we should. And this is something I also struggle with because listening can seem like a chore but it is so beneficial especially as mothers when you listen you learn a lot more about your children because of the lack of time and the pressure that we have from work from our home life we have sometimes when we just say oh my goodness i don't have the time to listen to the story that my child wants to tell me because the child is telling me like the 50th story or something. Yes, I get it. Sometimes there's sometimes you're like, okay, just hold on. I've got this to do this to do and that to do. When I finish, I'll get back to you. But When you listening and this mindfulness, um, listening practice helps you to be a better listener. There is a saying, you have two ears and one mouth, use them accordingly. And that just tells us we need to listen more. So the mindful listening, which is what you do every time, you are listening to things every time. In this space, what are the things you're hearing? Sometimes you need to be quiet within yourself just to pay attention. Perhaps you're hearing a bird singing outside. You might be hearing a clock. The hands are ticking. You might hear a little buzzing you might hear the cars the sound of the cars from the streets drifting into your home or your office this practice helps you some people have some awareness and they I would listen to some thumping sounds and they go oh my goodness i'm aware of my heart thumping away in my chest now of course if that's the case please if you're hearing if you're feeling that Sensation like your heart is thumping in your chest, especially when it's going rapidly, please make sure you seek medical help. Okay. Because of course, there can be some causes of concern um, which could be associated with that. Okay. Having said that, the my the mindful listening is such a good one. And you can also do it with your children as well. You can do it for short periods of time as, as you get more aware of how you're doing it you can start making it a bit longer and a bit longer and guess what it just helps you one beautiful thing i have found with mindful listening is that it helps to improve your relationships each and every one of us loves to be heard we all love to be heard i mean i'm not going to say i don't i love to be heard but what if we were giving that listening ability to hear someone else whether it's your child, your spouse, your colleague, your roommate, whoever it is, or even a stranger, it does a lot of good. In my different roles as a family doctor, I listen. That's a big chunk of my job. I need to listen to understand what's happening. Because, I mean, what would it be like if a patient came in to me and I said, hello, all right, here's your prescription. Bye bye. No, I need to listen, understand where they're coming from. Then use the knowledge I have, experience, and skills to analyze why they're feeling the way they're feeling. Come up with a plan, discuss that plan with them, see how it can fit into their own lifestyle and then agree on the line of action. That is what it is. As a coach for mothers, I listen to what they're going through. I listen to what is happening and what the challenges are. And then I go, right, so how? what's the plan? What do we do? Where do we turn? What's the next step? Beautiful. Now, another very important one to mention is as a mother listening to your children. Now, I know this might serve as a bit of a trigger. For some people and for those who maybe had some traumatic experience growing up or perhaps they have their children who might have experienced something traumatic, my heart goes out to you. There are many times that children might be going through traumatic experiences or maybe you've experienced it yourself and they wanted to tell you, but they felt you were not listening or they felt they would not be heard. So they kept quiet and whatever the condition was, whether it was an abusive situation, whether it was a feeling of not being loved enough or not being heard, they just festered in it. And, you know, children are very, very creative. Their imagination is like, whoa, out of this world. So they imagine the worst, it's my fault, I'm the reason why this is not happening and why this is happening. But if you were able to listen to their concerns, guess what? You will pick up on what's going on. And then you can help their little minds that are always going into, it's my fault, to say, no, 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 it's not your fault. This is what is going on. And they can say, oh, now I understand. And they are into the conversation and into the life that you are living in that environment. And that's the reason why I really cherish the ability to parent in a very conscious way, in a very aware way, because if you just do it unconsciously, child is getting on your nerves. Keep quiet. Um, something is happening. You scream at them. You tell them you have to do it this way. And they ask you why you say, because I said so, because I'm your parent. I mean, seriously, sometimes having a dialogue with them, it's not going to do much harm to them at all. Now, of course I've heard people say, look, I really haven't got the time. And, um, I would agree that, yes, sometimes it takes a little more time to explain things to the children. But when a child understands why they are doing what they are doing, they would be able to do it even when you're not watching. I'm going to say that again. When a child understands why they are doing what they're meant to do or perhaps what you have told them to do, then they would do it even when you're not watching. But when you tell a child, do this, and it sounds like an order, Sometimes they might do exactly the opposite when they are faced with that situation and we don't want that to happen. So let's be very aware, be very mindful that listening will help to build that relationship between us and all the people we encounter whether at home, at work, in our businesses, in our day to day life. Okay, so I hope you're enjoying this. I hope you're making um sense of what I'm saying. I hope it's useful to you. and if it is, please go ahead and share this to other mothers because the more mothers we have that understand what we are talking about in this space, the more mothers will be able to feel empowered with these tools, these tactics, these skills to improve our well-being. okay so, and the third one, which I'm going to share today, and this is very important because, oh my goodness, <laughs> I have faced this a little bit. Um, eating, okay? You know, remember why I said, one of the principles, mindfulness should be something that is connected to what you do on a daily basis. We all breathe, okay? So breathe. We all listen to things, okay? So listen, communicate. So because you're listening, bring some mindfulness into it. The third one is we all eat. Okay. Now this is a little bit special because, um, you can do it with your family. So it's not like um, a mindfulness practice where you say, oh, children, don't disturb me. I'm eating now, or I'm doing, I'm practicing mindfulness. You can teach them and do it along with them. So you're mindfully eating. Okay. Now the process of eating mindfully is really, really beautiful because it helps with all your senses, your sense of sight, your sense of smell, your sense of t- touch, your sense of taste, um, and also um, your sense of all these senses, including your sixth sense, really? Because eating is it's such a beautiful thing that we bring because we are bringing nourishment. To ourselves. And you know how we did with the breathing? Same thing with this. Start from a place of gratitude. Start from a place of gratitude. Where did this food come from? It's come from somewhere. Sometimes it might come from the same state as you. If you're very lucky, maybe you've got a wonderful garden or an allotment where you get fresh vegetables and fresh foods. That's amazing. But if you haven't, it's probably come from a supermarket, from a farm somewhere else, uh, a country, far away or a nearby uh, farm. But it's come from that supermarket to your kitchen. You've done the cooking or maybe you've prepped it. You've put it in the oven or maybe you haven't done that. So take away whatever that is. The food is set in front of you. Start from that place of gratitude that it has got into the front of you, that it's available for you to nourish your body. I was speaking to my children the other day. And um, there was this interesting thing that my son said. He he, Sometimes he asked some very interesting questions and he said, mommy, I don't quite get it. Why is it that um, when people are, maybe eating fish because I had bought some fish and I said, okay, I'm going to make some food with that fish later. And he goes, Oh mommy, can I pluck the, this, can I take this out? Can I do this to the fish? And I said, well, when we are cooking, (laughs) um, it will be good, but it's also a good thing to recognize that fish as a source of nourishment to us. So you're almost like, thank you, brother fish. For sacrificing yourself to provide me with nourishment. Okay? And it goes a long way. Even, thank you, brother spinach. <laughs> now, I say brother and sister spinach and all these things, not because I'm a spinach myself or well, I'm a fish, but. It brings that closeness because we are all living beings. Now I know there might be arguments of, oh, you eat flesh, you eat meat, you eat fish. No, even the vegetables, you are pruning them, you're, you're detaching them from their roots. So they are living and you have detached them. That's still the um, killing in that sense. So you are thankful that they have made themselves available to nourish you. Okay, so starting from that point it really makes a huge difference and some people go ahead and have grace before meals if you do that that's a very good practice which not only helps with um your mental well-being but your spiritual well-being as well the next thing is look at the food what does it look like Sometimes some foods might be more solid, some might a bit liquid, some might mix of everything. Uh, maybe you've got different colors. And I talk about eating the rainbow, especially when it comes to eating. So when it comes to things like that, I say, oh gosh, eat the rainbow. What do I mean by that? Make sure that your foods have got colors of red. Now, this is not artificial coloring of food. We've got foods that are red, things like tomatoes, uh, red peppers, Things that are um, orange, carrots. Things that are white, onions, garlic. Things that are brown, mushrooms. Things that are green, spinach, kale. Things that are purple or blue. We've got blueberries. We've got red, red cabbage. We've got aubergines. You know, these are things that you can bring and add to your diet to make it very colorful. It's so important. I've got a lovely document, which you might want to have access to. It talks about the different foods that are available. What I'll do, I'll put the the link in the description so you can download a copy of this. It just tells you the foods that are available for each color and the phytoprotein, which is amazing, and what it does for you. So would you like that? If that's something you would like, please go ahead. Make sure you check the show notes. It's going to be in there and you'll be able to download that. Okay? So look at the food. You're using your sense of sight here. Smell the food. Hmm, nice smell. You know, just take it in, in that moment. You might want to use your utensils. And one thing I I tend to say is when you're eating mindfully, you're not rushing your food. Most of the time you're taking it, you're actually chewing every bite brings a different flavor and you're feeling it you're understanding that wow this is a maybe sweet or there's something spicy there or there's something tangy whatever that is for you notice it that's what eating mindfully does for you and you can feel the flavors coming out and what tends to happen when we are doing this mindful eating together is we start to discuss the food like oh can you feel that oh this is nice and sometimes what i do when i'm eating that i'll then go ahead and maybe feed my child i'm like oh my goodness will you take this oh this part is really good and even though they have the same food as me sometimes they really love to eat <laughs> from my plates which is very it was just so much fun and um i, I I think when it comes to that mindful eating, it's something that is so, so good. It's a bonding experience you can have with your children. And when you have that, the stress levels go from persistently high to reducing, reducing, reducing. Okay. Because yes, stress is not a bad thing, but it's when it's persistently high that it's a big problem that can lead to burnout. I hope this has helped to give some ideas on what you can do to improve and incorporate mindfulness in your day-to-day lives. I am Dr. Duny, the award-winning mom empowerment coach and the host on the Wellbeing for Mothers show. Please go ahead, download this episode, subscribe to this um, show, and please share with other mothers as well. You never know how, this would transform someone's life for the better. I do appreciate you and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Please leave a review. Let me know what your thoughts are. And if there's any particular area or any questions you have, feel free to connect with me. I'm more than happy to connect and hear from you. Until next time, I ask that you stay well.